to hear Johnny's reviews. Let me for a few podcasts that will guide you through a movie. Each and every month there's a theme. And as it's September, I'm doing Super Spy September, which is my look at the first Bond movies of all the James Bond actors. Well, maybe not lazy because it happens to other fellows, so fuck him, the douche. <clears throat> first up, I'm looking at Dr. No. Not only Sir Sean Connery's first Bond movie, but the one that kicked it all off 60 years ago. Now, I've been a fan of Bond since I can remember. I loved the fast cars, the gadgets, the ridiculous plots, and the OTT villains. And of course, the side, the, the side villains. I mean, God, the henchmen all are, I mean, God almighty. Look at you, fucking odd job. Now, Connery will forever be my Bond, my favourite Bond movie. Is You Love Twice, and that is also one of my favourite Bond songs. He had it all, he had the best gadgets, he had the best uh, quips, I mean, he was kick-ass, he had the best villains, he had the best villainesses, you know, I mean, he had the best henchmen, so he is forever the immortalised Bond. I mean, he had Little Nelly, plus my favourite gadget. And, of course, the iconic Aston Martin DB5 from Goldfinger. So, this guy is James Bond. So, with all that out of the way, let's look at Dr. No, based on the 1958 book of the same name, written by Ian Fleming. Uh, the rights of the book were bought by Harry Saltzman for $50,000 for six months, as he tried his hardest to get uh, money to have this thing made. He found he finally found a backer on I think it was the fifth month or something like that in Cubby Broccoli and boom a friendship and franchise was born. Mind you, the two kind of fell out years later, but that's not the point of this movie, it, this podcast rather. So moving on, shot in Jamaica and London in early 1962, with an at the time unknown actor in the lead. This was a huge gamble. So, with a $1 million budget, this set off a 25 multi-year, multi-decade Bond franchise. So, look up, look out, here it is, 007, James Bond. The budget, $1 million, which in today's money is 9.8, and it pulled in $60 million, which in today's money is $588 million. Starring Sir Sean Connery, Ursula Andress, Joseph Wiseman, Jack Lord, John Kitzmiller, Eunice Gason, Bernard Lee and Lewis Maxwell. Directed by Terence Young, the plot. 007 is sent to Jamaica to investigate the death of a British scientist slash agent. Along the way, he gets help from a local guide, the CIA, and a young woman. He tracks down Dr. No, a metal-handed nuclear scientist, who is tasked by Spectre to disrupt United States rockets into space. Can Bond stop him? I find out here. This was a pretty box and a basic plot because, well, this was the first one, so here we have it. And not like the deluded, eluded fucking shit movies that Murr shot out later on in his um, <clears throat> run. Moving on. So after the MGM lines roar, it's onto the United Artists logo, then the iconic gun barrel sequence as Bond shoots an assassin as blood runs down the screen. Note, this is not Connery, but his stunt double. Onto the Bond theme by Monty Norman. 
as dots flash over the bloody shot, uh, as it pops the title, The Doctor No. And this today is the only Bond movie to have no Bond song. Is it on to three blind mice as we see three blind men walking around Jamaica straight to a gentleman's club where we meet Professor Strangways, who I thought was called Strangeways for the longest time, played by Tim Maxson. Cleans out his bridge buddies of 100 bucks and just walks off. And one of the bridge players is Professor Dent, played by Anthony Dawson, who is a little bit pissed off he lost his bloody money. Anyway, Strangways walks to the parking lot. He is shot in the back by the three blind men and cut off in a hearse. And note, Tim Moxon had his head cut open by the hearse door as the three blind men actors never placed him in the back quickly and the door whacked him in the head and bust him clean opened. So cut to Strangway's house where his secretary is also gunned down by the three blind men. Just as she's about to report to London via radio. The three blind men assassin then ramshack the office and steal files on Dr. No. Cut to early morning London as Big Ben chimes uh, the London Radio Opera signals Jamaica Radio and it is completely dead. So immediately flags this thing up. Cut to a casino in London as an MI6 lackey goes to fetch a bond. On to her introduction to Sylvia Trench, played by Eunice Gason. Now she was supposed to be a bond vixen returning time and time and time again. She had a sex deal contract, it was, but she was dropped for mysterious reasons. She was supposed to be the one that was finally going to be Bond's ultimate undoing or some crap or that. Anyway, she is playing Baccarat with Bond losing badly. She loses like something like $50,000 I believe. The camera then passes to James Bond, played by the late Sir Sean Connery. Smoking a cigarette, looking cool and calm. And here's the introduction, the iconic introduction rather, Bond, James Bond. Oh, God, I've done a lisp, dear. Anyway, so this is how Bond can afford his lifestyle, all the money he wins by playing cards. Now, it is said that Bond, in the Bond book rather, Bond is born lucky and never loses. Sylvia hits on Bond, so they go on a golf date for reasons the next day. Okay, I know Connie's big into golf, but really? So Bond gets a message from the lackey and heads back to MI6 office and he meets Miss Moneypenny played by Lois Maxwell, M's secretary and long-term suffering Bond wannabe lover. And note, she was offered the role of Sylvia but turned it down for the more chaste Moneypenny, which was a very wise move considering she played her up to 1985's A View to a Kill and she is the bench park Benchmark, benchmark, even money penny. Speaking of benchmarks, once Bond flirts with money penny, he is into M's office, and he is played by Bernard Lee. And note, he played the role up to 1979's Moonraker. When I think of M, he comes to mind first, closely followed by Dame Judi Dench. I love his leather-clad double doors leading to his office, and it's all very prim and proper in here. Here, Bond is given a task to find out what happened to Strangways in Jamaica, saying Strangways was hired by the CIA to hunt down the cause of American rockets being guided off course using radio transmissions from Jamaica. 
Okay, just take a look at this plot and go with the funness. Also here, Bond has handed his iconic gun, the Walter PPK, from Major Boothroy, played by Peter Burton. Uh, note, Boothroy later became Q later on in the movies, but not this actor. He was replaced by Desmond Llewellyn, who played it up until his death in 1999, I think it was. Anyway, it has also dropped here, Bond is a double agent, yet he's not one until he kills two targets for Her Majesty. So then Bond returns home to find Sylvia is in one of his dress shirts uh, playing golf into a hat, as you do. Bond then plays a round or two with her as he sinks a few balls. So the next day, Bond is in Jamaica and here he's noticed he's being watched by Felix Leiter, played by Jack Lord. And note, he's one of eight men to play this iconic role. Anyway, so leaving the airport, Bond is photographed by a young woman with a camera. Well, of course, we've got a fucking camera. She is Chung, played by Margarita Lewers. At the time, she was Miss Jamaica and was an untrained actor. She fumbled this introduction nine times in a row before finally getting the actual shot. Bond is then taken... Taken? Bond is then taken from the airport by a Mr. Jones, played by Reggie Carter. And he was Marguerite's brother, apparently. Bond doesn't fall for this trap, so calls the Jamaican office to ask if they sent a car over. They say no, so Bond knows it's a trap. He then gets in the car and drives anyway, with Felix following him, but the driver catches wind to this and speeds off. Bond tells to pull off the road and then pulls his gun. And Q is 60s fight scene with sped up action. Gotta love these 60s fight scenes. My god, the action is abysmal, but it's sped up. Q, big roundhouse punches, double-handed uppercuts, and, of course, the iconic Connery kick knocks a guy out continually. Everyone in his movies, he does this thing and knocks out some goon. Anyway, the driver then loses, so he takes a poison cigarette with cyanide, and he kills himself. Bond learns nothing, so he returns to the Jamaican office. Bond is pissed with them. He wasn't supposed to be told of his arrival until he does investigation. So how the hell did Dr. No's goons know about this thing? He demands uh, to see who Strang Strangways saw last. He's given the bridge players names. With that, he drives to Stringway's home, where he's told Radio is dead and no one will respond. Bond says it'll stay that way until it's investigated. He then looks around the office, finding blood in the carpet, as Bond finds a telegraph from Professor Dent, so he knows Dent is dirty. Bond then finds a photograph of Strangway's with local fisherman Quarrel, played by John Kitzmiller. So tells local cops to find Quarrel that afternoon. <clears throat> Moving on. Cut to Bond's hotel room where he drinks a vodka martini shaken and not stirred. Now I've tried these I think a time or two and my god not only are they a required taste but my god they give you a bugger of a hangover next day. Jesus jinkies. Anyway before leaving Bond sets a trap of dusting his briefcase with talcum powder and then placing a hair on his cupboard doors or closet doors. Off out he goes to meet Strangeways a bridge club players, including Professor Dent, who bullshits Bond, however Bond is on to him. The other two bridge players drop Strangeways 
had a new hobby every few weeks, and his latest hobby was deep sea fishing. And he liked to hire the guy Quarrel. So cut to Bond looking for Quarrel at the docks. Bond tries to hire him to take him to where he took strange ways, but he is having none of it. So Bond tails him to a local bar, and Quarrel gives up and takes him to the back rooms and roughs up Bond. Cue another 60s fight as Bond quickly manhandles Quarrel and the bar manager until Felix Leiter holds him at gunpoint, and here Felix introduces himself. Also, Quarrel as CIA. So that night over dinner, Bond gets the full info on Strangways. The bar is bowsing to jump up by Brian Lee. A dance craze the producers uh, found out about during filming in Jamaica. So this was added to the film and it went to number one for weeks in Jamaica. Anyway, Chung shows up and tries to get another photograph of Bond. So he sends Quarrel after her to get the camera for her and he had Quarrel almost breaks her arm. So she uses a flashbulb to scratch him in the face. She doesn't see anything to Bond, so Bond just runs a f- the film on the camera and tells her to fuck off. It's shot by Quarrel. He checked all the islands in the area, but not Crab Key. That is owned by Dr. No. Also, it allegedly has a dragon on it. Oh dear God, a dragon. So Bond doesn't believe this and heads there the next day. However, that night, the three blind men are sent to kill Bond, but they blow their chance because he's Bond. I mean, hmm. Next morning, Bond visits Professor Dent in his office, asking why Strangways sent his uh, rock samples. Also, what happened to him? Dent lies, saying he has no idea what happened to them, as he threw them out as their worthless rocks. Ah, That was weeks ago. So why did Strangways send him these ridiculous, useless rocks? Bond doesn't fall for that shit. So he takes Quarrel over to Crab Key Island, however, not before Dent panics and heads to meet with Dr. No. Here he's given a tarantula, a spider, to kill Bond with that night, told never to return in daylight ever again or he's dead. On Crab Key Island, Professor Dent is taken to a mine which is under Dr. No's lair. Also, it has a nuclear power plant, which is cool, this is the 60s, who gives her a note? This set and all of Dr. No's sets were built on the Bond set in Pinewood Studios at a cost of $100,000, unheard of at the time, which was given to the artist as an extra padding to the budget. So, anyway, so that night, Bond returns to his hotel room to find his suitcase has been tampered, briefcase has been tampered with, and so has his closet door. As he finds fingerprints in the talcum powder, also his hair trap has been snapped. He then pours himself a drink, but realises the vodka is poisoned, so he pulls another bottle of vodka from the drawer. Has you know that one's not poisoned also? Who knows? So that night, the, the tarantula attacks Bond, and this scene does to spiders what Jaws does to sharks. As Bond wakes up with the tarantula crawling on his arm, he panics and kills it with a shoe. And note, this was not Condry, as he is terrified of spiders. It was a stuntman. Also, the spider was killed for real. They thought it was too dangerous to let run around the set, so they killed it. What the fuck, 60s? And ever since this scene, tarantulas are seen as poisonous and dangerous man-killers, which they are not. Moving the fuck on, do some research for God's sake. <clears throat> I hate this bump, 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 music used 
as Bond kills this poor fucking spider. I mean, Jesus Christ. So next morning, Bond heads to Jamaican office to get all information on Dr. No and Crabkey Island. Handily, Strangways had all the info uh, from the office. I mean, what the fuck? Why the hell would you give one operative the entirety of your fucking knowledge on your uh, personal interest? I mean, for crying out loud. So Bond leaves via a side door to find out Jamaica's office secretary listening at the door. She is Miss Tara, played by Zena Marshall. Bond knows she's a Dr. No lackey. So he makes moves on her, as you do. He then walks off with a Giga counter, which uses on Quarrel's boat to find radio it's radioactive, as so were the rocks from Crabtree Island. Bond tries to get Quarrel take him to Ireland, uh, but he's too afraid of the dragon and Bond laughs off, demands him to take him now. So with that, Bond returns to his hotel where a message is waiting for him from Miss Tara to head to her house. He's given directions which she falls. Too bad, three by men are trying to run Bond off the road, but they fail miserably as they crash the hearse off the road and it blows up. Bond heads to her house. She's stunned to see He's alive, but she sleeps with him to keep him there until Professor Dent can show up and shoot him in his sleep. Okay then. Professor Dent shows up to shoot Bond, quote, quote, Bond, six times in the back, but too bad it's pillows. So Bond shoots him cold, bloody dead in the back twice and just walks off. You've had your search. I mean, I love the fact that Bond just sets up the house to make it look like they've had a good time. Then sits in the dark waiting for Dent and coldly shoots him dead. This makes Bond an official double agent. Later, he and Quarrel head to Crabkey Island in the cover of darkness. Now on the island, Bond sets up camp. As in the morning coming up the, the sea is Honey Ryder, played by Ursula Andrus in her iconic white bikini. And boom! An icon is born and she's the first Bond girl slash babe. And note, she was dubbed by Nikki Van Der Zyl. Also, her white bikini sold for $40,000 in 2015 at an auctioneer site. Also, her singing was also dubbed, and so was Connery's, as they were singing under the mango tree. Moving on. She holds Bond at knife point, thinking he'll steal her seashells, which is there to, to sell in Miami, for 50 bucks a pop. Okay then. He is smitten with her, so flirts with her outrageously, as out of nowhere Dr. Noah's goons open fire from a gunship on shoreline. So Bond, Honey and Quarrel hide in the bush. After that, all three head inland via the swamp, as are quickly hunted down by dogs. So Bond uses bamboo shoots to beef underwater, which he hands to others. As the dogs pass, the three run inwards after Bond guts one of the guards who just so happens to be left behind with Honey's knife, as you do. So, a um, couple of minutes later, they're at Honey's hiding place, which is, wait for it, a fucking waterfall with no actual hiding places, only a couple of bloody trees. What the hell is the point of going to this hiding place then? Mm. Oh my god, did they have to sit there all day until nightfall? Oh my god. She tells Bond... She thinks Dr. No killed her dad years earlier. Also, she was homeschooled. She got all of information and knowledge from encyclopedias. 
Okay then. Honey then tells Bond a horrible story that she was raped at 12. So she put a black widow, female black widow spider in the rapist's bed and he died a week later of agonising pain. Okay, that's pretty fucking dark. So, later that night, the quote dragon attacks, but Bond wants to see it for himself. It's a tractor with a flamethrower made up to a dragon pissed poorly. And apparently this thing was stuck in the the swamp and had to do this time and time and time again to get the thing to bloody drive through the swamp. Mm. Somehow Quarrel gets roasted alive and Bond and Honey are just caught even though Quarrel's right next to Bond and Honey. But they don't get roasted but Quarrel does. Moving on. They're taken to be decontaminated for radiation poisoning. They're then held prisoner by Dr. No. Oh sorry, a guest of Dr. No. Hmm. Now, see what I don't get. If this island is radioactive, then why isn't Honey sick? She's been doing this for years, so why the fuck is she not dying of cancer or radiation poison for fuck's sake? Moving on. After a quick shower, Bond and Honey are now safe. As that how you get decontaminated? You just shower twice and soap yourself down with a fucking fight sound, it looks like it. I mean, moving on. They're then shown to the luxury bedrooms. Well, they drink coffee, which is drugged, of course it is. So they wake up that night and then get dressed. And according to Ursula Andress, all the male crew were watching from above as she get dressed in her Chinese-style outfit. How fucking sexy is this? And by the way, she's completely naked while topless on set, so... Hmm. Finally, they're taken to dinner, and here at an hour and 25 minute mark of an hour and 45 minute movie, do we meet Dr. Julius No, played by Joseph Wiseman, with his iconic black metal hands. I gotta say here, I love this set and all his sets. As I said, $100,000 well bloody well spent. It's so kitschy and 60 and yet cool and sophisticated, I mean. I know the fact that Joseph Wiseman made up look Chinese. I guess that was a sexist thing then. Moving on swiftly. And note the magnified glass fish tank was looped footage that was added last minute. As I just forgot to add a tank there. Okay then. So over dinner, Dr. No tells Bond all about Spectre. And he is the head of finance. He's number three, I believe. And note Spectre stands for... Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge and Extortion. Now, it should have been Smirsh, but that was used in a Woody Allen movie, Casino Royale, Royale uh, I can't fucking speak, Casino Royale, which they didn't have the rights to, so it was changed, even though the Woody Allen movie was, was at 69, I think that came out, so that's complicated, why not use Smirsh, but moving on. Honey is then taken away to, quote, please the guards, as Dr. No gloats to Bond how smart he is, how powerful he is, etc, etc. Now, I love the little jabs and quips that Bond throws at Dr. No to get under his skin and it works. As Dr. No just walks off and his goons beat up Bond. As Dr. No tries to take down the latest rocket firing into space by the Americans. So later, Bond wakes up in a cell and quickly escapes because Bond... He then finds Honey beaten up and placed in a toxic waste pipe where boiling water will be poured over her, which is from the nuclear reactor. So she's fixed then. The two quickly escape. However, not before Bond dresses in a hazmat suit, which he kills 
a goon off screen to get it from. As Doctor Who barks orders as a scientist born tampered with the, I don't know, reactor core and the computer system and the whole place blows the fuck up. By the way, read these computers are the size of a bloody wall. This causes absolute object chaos as Dr. Rowe tries to stop him but Bond throws him into reactor water as he drowns slash boils alive. With that, Dr. Rowe's base explodes so Bond and Honey run for their lives. Now, I love Dr. Rowe's nuclear reactor control room as all sorts of Dr. Evil from Austin Powers. I guess that's a joke then. Hmm. Anyway, somehow Bond and Honey find a boat and sail off into the sunset where they're picked up by the CIA. Bond lets go of the guide rope and gets a taste of honey as credits roll. That was Dr. No, the start of a multi-billion dollar multi-movie James Bond franchise. Connery is great as Bond, Ursula Andress is practically useless. The action is very 60s and kitschy and camp, but just go with it, I mean, because it's the 60s, I mean, eh. This thing is about what? 80% of a Bond movie, the only thing they did was gadgets, I mean, hmm, you had ridiculous henchmen, you had a ridiculous over-the-top Bond villain, you had a Bond villain monologue, you had the secret lair, you had ridiculous plot that was barely making any sense, but Bond's actually just goes on and on and on, the only thing this needed was, as I said, gadgets, but we can't have it all. So, so far, I'm going to give this thing a, a 007 out of 10. Now, Come back next week as I'll cut Roger Moore's first Bond movie. Then the rest of the month for the other three lead actors. Now, thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. And follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. Now, go and check out one of my other hundreds of podcasts. A bye. And James Bond will return in Live and Let Die.